you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. It was coming through my high school years that I began to take hold of my faith in a more personal and serious way. I had been raised in the church. I'd never not believed in God. I'd had years of Sunday school. I was part of my church youth group. I was attending MBCI, where Bible class was part of the required high school curriculum. I knew the broad outlines of the biblical story, but I'd I'd never really read it much on my own. Oh, sure, in grade four, The Gideons had come to my elementary school, and they had offered free New Testaments who would promise to read them every day. Who will make that promise? Every hand in the classroom, straight up, me, 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 because we desperately wanted this little silver New Testament with the book of Psalms in it as well. And so I did. I read faithfully for three full nights. But, you know, there were things I'd rather be reading before bed than this little Bible with a tiny, tiny font in King James English. But in high school, with my faith beginning to come to life in a new way, I decided it was time to try again. I had a larger edition of the Bible in a far more contemporary translation, it was leather-bound and it felt good and solid in my hands. But where to start? I decided to begin with the epistle of James, partly because it was short and looked manageable, but mostly because it was authored by my namesake, James. A chapter a night, I can do that, and I did. I still have that leather-bound Bible at home. And I looked at it the other day. I was reminded that I'd actually read with a highlighter in hand, marking probably a good third of the epistle's verses as I went. See, reading James was, for me, quite transformational. So much of the epistle is practical and applicable in day-to-day life. It pops with these verses and these phrases that drilled themselves into my young imagination. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers. Faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. I'd later learn that James is often considered the most Jewish of the New Testament books, standing in line with the great wisdom tradition of the Hebrew Bible. The epistle invites a kind of a soul-searching, both for individuals and for communities. And along the way, it addresses things like gossip, the use and stewardship of money, how to respond when a member of the community is ill, and, of course, doing the faith rather than just talking about it. 
It was that latter that really charged my imagination. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves, James writes. Then he continues, if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. Those who don't actually integrate the word into their lives and practice, James says, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away, they immediately forget what they looked like. Now, that's kind of a compelling image, isn't it? What happens when you forget who you are? It's a question that Craig Kester asks in his commentary on the passage. And he continues, he says, When you forget who you are, life typically takes another course. If you forget how much you have been given, why would you give anything to others? If you forget how much you've received then life is reduced to a quest to get what you can while you can. You may find the situation of the orphan and the widow to be regrettable, but conclude that this is the way that the world is, and you need to get what you can while you can. James writes, But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. To not only hear the word, but to actually integrate it and act on it is for James liberty. It's freedom. It's the path to being who and what we were created to be, integrated hearing and acting. There's a sense in which this is actually all echoed in tonight's gospel reading from Mark, in which Jesus is confronted by some Pharisees and scribes who are appalled that his disciples aren't following the strict letter of the law when it comes to hand-washing before eating. Jesus essentially comes back at them and challenges them in their strict and religious piety. He cites the prophet Isaiah, saying, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Like James, who calls for an integration of word and deed, Jesus calls for a deeper alignment of word and heart. All of those strict and scrupulous practices don't make one whit of difference if they aren't actually expressions of a transformed and transforming heart, in other words. What you say you believe and what you do with that have to be in alignment. Now, a full disclosure brief aside regarding my high school Bible reading practices. In that Bible of mine, the epistle of James is very heavily highlighted, as is the Sermon on the Mount, and that's it. (laughs) Much as James imprinted himself on my imagination, it wasn't until I was well into my adult years 
and had adopted a practice of praying a daily office that I finally made my way into a pattern of regular daily scripture reading. If you've tried to do that and fallen short, just know that it might be worth giving it another go. It was Monday this past week when I first began to mull over this passage from James. And then on Tuesday morning, in my email inbox, was a message from John Longhurst. It was regarding an urgent need for food support for recently arrived Yazidi refugee families. John explained that an interfaith coalition called Operation Ezra, made up of a number of Jewish groups, but also the Salvation Army, King's Fellowship, right next door on Osborne, Calvary Temple, and Pembina Mennonite Fellowship, had brought 55 Yazidi refugees to Winnipeg for safety from the violence that they had suffered at the hands of ISIS in Iraq. He noted that while they were being very well looked after, there was another 180 Yazidis had been brought to Winnipeg by the Canadian government, and they were really struggling. Uh, That's often the way, right? Private sponsorship has ways of going the extra mile and making sure that there aren't cracks to fall through. But when the government sponsors vaster numbers, that becomes more difficult to manage. Operation Ezra, he said, had been helping those other refugees with food and support, but the cupboards were very bare. Might we, he asked, be able to put out the word on this, to gather some food to share with these families through the work of Operation Ezra, to whom John was connected by another friend? Well, I'm reading this email, and all I can hear are the words from the epistle of James. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Care for widows and orphans. That phrase points to the most socially and economically vulnerable people in that ancient world. These Yazidi families, forced by ISIS to flee their homeland, relocated in a city where everything is new, everything is strange, and they're now struggling to put food on the table? Hmm, time to be doers of the word and not merely hearers. And so we will. Many of you will have received notice of this via email just the other day. There's also a a paper version of that notice available on the table by the, the lamp at the back. Tonight, I'm aware that some people have already brought food, and we will do that again next Sunday night. And out of respect for the people we will be helping, we'll gather things that for them are staples. So there's no peanut butter. No pork and beans, craft dinner, or tins of tomato soup. Instead, things like dried lentils and chickpeas, tahini, couscous, eggplant, onions. That's the kind of claim that is being placed on us tonight, being not hearers who forget, but doers who are invited to act.
And in doing very simple and small acts of gospel kindness, to be reminded of who we truly are. And of course, the thing about simple and small acts of gospel kindness is that they can also awaken us to the bigger challenges, the bigger questions, the bigger problems. And that's good too. Because we need to both hear, have it penetrate our our hearts, and then move as gospel people. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.